This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, O Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. November 9th. This is your old pal Justin Robert Young joining you from our midterm live broadcast. I am joined by the inimitable Andrew Heaton. Hello. By Brian Brushwood. Uh, I, I was not prepared to put the camera on myself. Hi. <laughs> and of course, Jen Briney. Hello. All right. We are doing this as we have uh, our best, clearest look at the results of the night and boy did it start hot for the republicans and then cooled the hell off real fast a gigantic win for ron desantis and marco rubio in florida and yet other than that everything has kind of gone chalk with some very surprising and very strong democratic showings uh, Andrew Heaton, you've been here watching everything go on. Uh, is there anything that, that you found to be surprising or exciting? Yeah, uh, I have been surprised and excited by the fact that multiple states have uh, preferred a candidate of one party while, while eschewing a candidate of another party. I think this has happened in Georgia, where people have liked Brian Kemp, but at least at the moment, they don't seem to be liking Herschel Walker. Uh, there have been other examples uh, where certainly not as much. He, is, as he much. is trailing about eight and, and points that, behind. That tells me that people in Georgia are actually exercising uh, uh, independent thought in terms of who they want to vote for, rather than just pulling a switch for red team or blue team. And I, I take that as a positive sign. Uh, meanwhile, it looks as if this was not in any way the red tsunami. Certainly not a Latuya Bay situation. For the Republicans, uh, they will almost certainly take the House, but it looks to be more of a 15-seat margin. As we record this, uh, it looks to be a 210 Democrat, 225 Republican lead, which would be very much in dark Brandon territory, as now the Freedom Caucus comes to the fore of That's been that coalition. All day. From from the beginning, from from uh, where things were a couple hours ago, where it looked like the the Republicans would have close to a thirty seat margin, this is certainly cutting that in half. Now, obviously, things are not over at the point that we are recording this. It is eleven oh nine Eastern time, and polls are still closing in some of the Western states. Just so everybody knows, what we do not have any information on as we record this is Nevada. But other than that, here are the results. The New York Times is a very likely predicting that Wisconsin will go to Ron Johnson. Ohio is J.D. Vance's. He wins by plus seven. I still have no idea why everybody loved Tim Ryan so much. Uh, Ted Budd wins in North Carolina. Meanwhile, some of the situations where you thought that maybe in a gigantic red wave, you would have Republican pickups. They were not even close. Uh, Mr. Bulldog does not even sniff Maggie Hassan. Uh, she wins, or at least is winning at the point that we are recording by 12 Bennett winning in Colorado, 
by uh, a country mile. And then we get to, to me, the biggest surprise of the night. I owe a gigantic apology to Bill Sher, who came on this program and told you that Katie Hobbs had a shot to beat Carrie Lake. And as 47% of the votes are in, she is indeed doing that by 14. And that means that Mark Kelly, who has consistently run ahead of her, is leading Blake Masters by 18. That, to me, is an eye-popping margin. And yet, it's very thin in two of the states that we have watched the closest. In Pennsylvania, it is John Fetterman as a 1.1% lead over Dr. Mehmet Oz. The New York Times, at the point that we are recording this, has him likely to win, although Pennsylvania will certainly take about a billion years to count all these votes. Meanwhile, in Georgia, it looks as if we are going to have a runoff, and that runoff could determine the fate of the Senate, depending on what happens in Nevada. Uh, So it'll all come down to Georgia. Yet again, Herschel Walker currently leading Raphael Warnock 49.3 to 48.7, with 84% of those votes in. But it does not look like there is much of a path unless there are a, a gigantic cache of Republican votes for him to get over that 50% margin. Which of these is more surprising to you, Andrew Heaton? Herschel Walker outperforming Raphael Warnock or John Fetterman outperforming Mehmet Oz? I am more su- Well, hold on. Uh, Walker is, uh, is, is presently outperforming Warnock. That's where we're at right now. Yeah. By about a half, half point. And and that's, but but that will probably go to a runoff. It is, it is almost certainly going to go to a runoff. Yeah. Uh, I am then more surprised. I'm not surprised that George is going to go to a runoff. I I am somewhat surprised that Fetterman is beating Oz by that margin. Um, I, I thought, um, I, I don't know a lot about Pennsylvania politics, but, but, uh, uh, I, I, that one would seem to me to be more of a nail biter than the Herschel Walker one. Yeah. Um, And, and, and yet that one has been the nail biter. Uh, We are looking this at 94% reported. It is Walker 49.1 over Warnock 48.8. So again, an an extraordinarily close race, but either of them getting over that magic 50% threshold. Uh, Jen, you watch, Congress and, and, and see how they operate Uh, right now. The New York times has this at a 15% or sorry, a 15 seat uh, lead. Uh, What does that mean? What does that mean for control? What does that mean for gridlock? What does that mean for how the Republicans could operate if these numbers hold? So in a way the closer it is a Republican majority with fewer people gives more power to the outliers, the people that would want to do some crazier things. So actually the closer this gets, if the Republicans keep it, I think it's, it's not great for gridlock because it means that you could have a coalition of, you know, Marjorie Taylor green and um, uh, Paul Gosar, you know, like that wing of the party throw a fit over something and actually have some power. Um, over the decisions of the Republicans and with Kevin McCarthy as the speaker of the house, they're going to have his ear anyway. So um, 
Yeah. I just, we're, I'm preparing myself for gridlock for the next two years. And, and okay. I should say this. It's gridlock, but they're still going to be getting stuff done because there are two must sign pieces of legislation that happen every single year. We have to basically authorized our wars with the national defense authorization act that has to mm-hmm. be signed every year. And we have government funding that has to be done every year. We also have the debt ceiling coming up again in this next Congress. So there's at least five opportunities for the more extreme people to threaten to shut down the government or have our government default on its debt unless they can get things attached that basically hitchhike their way into law on these must sign pieces of legislation. This was a strategy that was tested and successful when the Republicans had Congress and President Obama was the president. They know this recipe works. And Kevin McCarthy was one of the more extreme people in that. It was actually John Boehner that stopped us from going over the uh, the old fiscal cliff. Fiscal cliff. Back in the Obama days. Um, I'm not sure that McCarthy is going to be making deals with Pelosi to keep us off that cliff. So I see some real scary things possibly happening in the house, just and maybe with some more government shutdowns. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm, there's going to be some extremists with some power. Uh, I, I am hopeful for performative nonsense for the next two years. I think that's what's going to happen. I, I think that uh, you, you're absolutely correct. There are going to be must sign pieces of legislation. Uh, and and there there will almost certainly be things attached to them, but I think that the vast majority of what we're going to be in for uh, up until the the next Congress is installed is uh, legislation designed to signal to the Republican base in whatever house the Republicans control in order to uh, uh, further their ambitions in the next election. But the the amount of actual like actual legislation that might conceivably become law, I think, is going to drop to nil. And we're going to see lots of um, lots of things that are just, uh, yeah, performative. Uh, one member of the Freedom Caucus who may or may not make it back to Washington is Lauren Boebert, who is in a fight for her life against the Democratic opponent, Adam Frisch, in the Colorado 3rd District. Uh, if uh, Boebert does not make it back, uh, Bryony, do you have any any parting words? I'm just glad she's going to be out of power, man. She was a <laughs> nut. So <laughs> at least we got one down. Um, speaking of nuts, though, how's her bestie Marjorie Taylor Greene? I'm assuming she's back. I believe that Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, uh, will have uh, will have uh, one here. Hold on. Let me like if I could shed from Congress, Bobert, Green and Gosar, I'd be pretty happy. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene won re-election over Marcus Flowers, 66.4% to 33.6%. She will never lose that seat. That's exactly what you said to me yesterday, and I got so mad. never, ever, (laughs) ever lose that seat if she does not want to. Oh, and they're saying in the chat that Gosar was unopposed. Oh, that's not cool. Wait, so I could have run? Yeah. Uh, by the way, what the residency requirements are. Yeah, yeah. Elise Stefanik uh, uh, also reelected. Uh, she will uh, have a more prominent position in the House, uh, or at least in House leadership. Let, let's let's skip a little forward ahead uh, and stay on the House. Nancy Pelosi would be minority leader, uh, although she says that this run was her last as leader. Obviously, she's got a lot going on at home with the attack on her husband, Paul Pelosi. 
do you believe her? Do you believe that she will no longer be leading the Democrats in the House? So I don't know, but I did have some... Uh, I I had some thoughts and I'm not saying this is what I think is going to happen, but I think it's possible that with the attack on her husband, as she is also deep into her eighties, I could see her retiring using her husband as a legitimate excuse. I mean, he has a long recovery ahead of him. Um, he has a pretty serious head injury. So if she doesn't have power in the house, which it's looking very likely that she wouldn't, I could see her resigning from the house entirely as opposed to being a backbencher with no power. She doesn't like that position. Um, so I wouldn't be terribly shocked if when she says, cause she's already out there being like, Oh, you know, with what happened to Paul, I don't know what I'm going to do. So the fact that she's putting out those balloons at this point, does, does she surprise me? I, I, I think that, that if, if the Democrats lose the house and it looks likely that, that, Pelosi will, will step down. I think that that's true. Did, didn't she say a few months ago, though, that if, if they did lose the House, she, would, she wouldn't run for re-election? Hasn't she already signaled that? Well, she won re-election yeah, tonight. Yeah, she just so. won for this Congress. No, no, I, I understand that. But, but didn't, didn't she basically say, like, I, I'm out if I'm not? Hasn't she already sort of made that? There, there have been many overtures to the idea that she would ride off into the sunset and she would probably even do it sooner rather than later and have somebody appoint, uh, uh, appoint her successor uh but whether or not that's gonna happen she also said that the, the democrats were gonna keep the house so we don't know so well, the so only promise that i can say that i've i'm sure that she made is that at the beginning of the 117th congress which is the one that's ending she did say that she wasn't like she was gonna pass the torch to the next generation of democrats and then like immediately stopped saying that well, so, so, so th that that is the thing that i would like to know from both of you and i do not know this um Let's assume Nancy Pelosi does step down. Who becomes a minority speaker and therefore in line to become Speaker of the House when the Democrats retake it at some point in the future? Does, does AOC rise? Is there is there a, no. a mainstream Democrat that would, would step up? What do you guys reckon? I, the name I hear all the time is Hakeem Jeffries. Yes. Uh, he, he seems to be the kind of, uh, uh, not the next in line, because she's got two other uh, um, senior citizens uh, uh, that yeah. are her actual next in line. But in terms of Who's going to run Hakeem Jeffries and the other name you hear whispered around Adam Schiff, which I can't imagine. <laughs> oh God, that would be horrible. I, it, Steny Hoyer is also very old and I think that they do want someone younger. I think they know what it looks like to have such elderly people in leadership and have the same people there for decades. So I do think they like that Hakeem is younger and just the idea that Adam Schiff's name is being thrown around, like they don't seem to realize how much people hate him. Well, uh, there, there were there were some reports that uh, uh, Hakeem Jeffries uh, did the old end around and uh, uh, went to uh, Clyburn to try to stop that wanted to alert him that Adam Schiff was running a shadow campaign for leadership. So just something he would totally do. But I think he's too vile. I don't think the party would support him. I mean, the question is. Uh, and by the way, we are getting now our first results out from California. Katie Porter is leading her opponent in California's 47th district. So uh, that is uh, one of your faves and, and also your home district. That's my right? home district. Yeah. 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 Well, you yeah. have so many home districts because you're voting no, but this in is Seattle. Like, like, this is legit my home district. Yeah. I, we moved there. You're like Mitt Romney. You have nine different hometowns. I do love a lot of places, but <laughs> home is Irvine for sure. We've owned a house there since 1988. 
Um, yeah, Irvine's my home. And it's just wild because it was such a Republican district. And so the fact that Katie Porter, who is hands down my favorite member of Congress, is representing that district, I'm I'm still baffled by it. But I'm um I'm proud of Irvine. She's a good one. Uh just Justin, yes. can I interject one thought and yeah. one question? Yeah. Um uh the thought is uh, uh 10 years ago I read a book by um uh, uh, uh by uh, David Eagleman called Incognito talking about the two hemispheres of the brain and about how really each one can functionally ind- act independently of each other. Now, one, they, they act very differently. And in some cases where there are split brain or, or somebody has a severe epilepsy, they uh, will do a hemispherectomy where literally they only have one half of the brain. These people tend to be impulsive and they tend to, their their personality tends to be described as before the surgery one way, but after the surgery, you know, uh, another way. Can I make the case uh, for gridlock? Because when you have a house divided, you have much like our own brains, you have two impulses that go opposite. And only when a consensus is reached, do, does anything happen? In other words, Every decision you make, you have two versions of yourself arguing and only the things that absolutely must happen. You must feed yourself. You must show up to work. You must drive the car. You must avoid that un- oncoming object or whatever. I, I'm, I'm kind of a fan of gridlock and I'm kind of giddy. And I, and I know this will disappoint you, Jen, but, but, um, but I think that in an age where we're feeling the effects of one side of having full control and, and we're feeling the fiscal runaway inflation and so on uh, that I'm kind of thrilled to see a throttle put on the entire brain of governmental control. Well, I mean, uh, uh, Jen is certainly the most strident advocate against that idea, especially considering the fact that there are, you know, in, in this lame duck half of, of a president's term, there are important things that do wind up getting pushed to the absolute edge, especially when they are more divided, uh, like the debt ceiling and stuff like that. Uh, but I will let Jen uh, uh, harangue you with why your opinion is reckless and wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just for me, I know that we have big problems that we need to solve. And it's just I've seen what gridlock brings. And it's like I kind of already mentioned, it brings government shutdowns and possibly defaulting on our debt. I mean, we're not in a situation with the, with the Republican party, the way it is right now, where they're sitting down in good faith and trying to solve problems. Like even 10 years ago, when I started the show, there was still aspects of that. We have a more and more extreme wing of the Republican party where they stand for burn it down. Like they, they are, I mean, there was a lot of, there was a lot of bipartisan stuff this last two years. There was, but we, accomplish that with the Democrats fully in charge. Like they are. The, I mean, if I guess my, my only pushback is if we're going to say a more and more extreme Republican party that they did things together with the, with, with the Democrats. And I really hope that's the way it is, but I just, I, I, I have watched Kevin McCarthy for a decade. Um, he is one of these people. He's already mentioned that he wants to use the debt ceiling as leverage to, you know, uh, make changes. I don't want to say cuts. We don't know exactly yet, but, um, make changes to social security and Medicare. And what I've witnessed in the past, it just means that our generation gets again, because we're not going to get our, uh, sorry. I know I'm not supposed to swear on your show. Yeah. Um, yeah. This show. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, cursing. 
Yeah, Sorry, we're I apologize gonna, if you're listening with your kids. Yeah, I I'm afraid that our benefits are just gonna keep getting chipped away at. Like I've just the Republicans do things that hurt workers and they use these opportunities to do so. So it's like instead of solving problems, if anything, we're gonna go backwards in certain ways. I just I'm not excited for what happens here. I need our government to work. You know, like I have people I love in this world that need healthcare, as in everyone I love in this country needs healthcare. And they're not going to fix that. It's just, there's a lot that needs to get fixed. And I just don't want to burn two more years getting nothing done. Well, and uh, th- this will be my last coupon and I'll tap out, but I would love to hear all three of you guys because of, of, of the story we've seen unfold this evening. The one thing that kind of surprised me the most was a visceral action in my heart. Um, this, this narrative of what unfolded in Pennsylvania and what, what looks like will continue to unfold feels to me like maybe the most cynical election I've ever seen. Fetterman, Fetterman being elected in, in Pennsylvania. Correct. Uh, especially when the exact people who are voting for him are the exact people I've heard on, you know, all my audio podcasts wringing their hands, talking about how he lacks the ability to be a statesman, to represent views, to push for initiatives. It just seems to be like, well, I know he'll vote blue, And likewise, uh, Dr. Oz, it's like uh, uh, people don't people seem to actively hate one candidate and actively have no faith in the other candidate. And yet they're all like it it, it breaks my heart a little bit. Well, you know, look, this is this is a tight race. Uh, uh, It is as we speak, one point five percent, although that is gaining. And it, it does look like John Fetterman is going to beat Dr. Oz in this race and become a senator. Uh, But. I, you, you're not going to get a lot of argument from me that this was not a, who do you like race? <laughs> this was a, uh, uh, what sack of potatoes can we slap our wish list on and, and mail to Washington and whether it was somebody that was deeply unlikable in, in a lot of polling, he had, I think a plus 50% unlikability, uh, or John Fetterman who had, multiple editorials written about not only his health, but also his caginess about his health. They're the partisanship won out and, and the Democrats are, are, are the winners here. Brian, Brian, I, I think you're right. Like we we've, we've reached, I, I, I don't know if peak cynicism is the right phrase, but, but peak partisanship. Like if you go back to merely 2008, when you talk to, uh, when, when you look at the polls, from McCain versus Obama, you'd find a, a large amount of voters that would go, you know, I voted for X, but I really like Y. Uh, and and we're, we're struggling to choose between these two candidates, right? Um, 2016 was the tipping point where people started voting primarily in opposition to somebody else. I don't even like this guy. He's a sack of shit, but I hate that person. So I'm <laughs> going to vote against him. And that's kind of become the operative thing. Uh, I, I think that the the only way out of this is really serious electoral reform. Um, the The kind of the predominant attitude that I find is that the issue that we're now experiencing is just a pendulum and, and the uh, we're, we're swinging towards being partisan, but it'll swing back. Probably if we go to war with China or something horrible, we'll, we'll all get on the same page like we did for 9-11. We'll come back. I don't think that's the case. I think electoral reform is the only way to get us out of this. Otherwise, we're going to keep having candidates to represent more extreme Republicans, more extreme Democrats. It's going to alienate people in the middle and it's going to keep pushing the whole structure to the edges and make it this oppositional system. Well, I don't really think that Fetterman and Oz were necessarily to the polls of their parties. Oz mm-hmm. was somebody that wound up coming to the center, but both of them were running for Pat Toomey's seat, who was 
a more moderate Republican. Fetterman very much moderated his views compared to where he started from. I mean, he, he did a full moonwalk on fracking. Now he's for fracking. If he has a hard time saying it <laughs> if, or, if, if, like, if during the debate himself well, is to be believed to, to, yeah. to, to my point, they're running in the Senate. Are they not? Yeah. Um, so they're, they're running in a, in a single large district. There's, there's no issue of gerrymandering that would apply there beyond the basic electoral systems. So they're, they're by definition having to, to cover this entire situation. Right. Um, I, I think that the, the, uh, the further you get away from gerrymandering, and the further you get away from closed primaries, the more likely you are to have a situation like that. Now, I, th- I think they probably do have closed primaries in Pennsylvania. I don't know. They do. Uh, but but um, uh, my guess is they were probably a lot more centrist or moderate than the various congressional districts that were going on. Well, uh, well we, we do have a Fox News call here. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer will be reelected, as is Kathy Hochul from New York. So Michigan and New York governorships that in a situation where this was a Latuya Bay situation where there was a gigantic red wave, then those were two of the, the, the seats that were said to be endangered. We saw polls showing that they were endangered. That did not bear out during the midterms. Uh, uh, I think I cut somebody off. Who did I cut off? Anybody? I was, just I, 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 I was going to reaffirm my understanding of uh, the difference between the House and the Senate is that the House is pretty much uh, intended to be the uh, 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 whatever the people say, just, you know, be a robot that pushes the button for your district. The Senate is supposed to be the place where only a hundred people will, you know, argue about their ideals and uh, philosophize about uh, what they need for the country and so on. And so with that being the case, it makes me doubly sad. Like I, I don't think I would have found the, entire Pennsylvania race. So repugnant if it was a house race, but being a Senate race and both parties voting out of hatred for the other party really bums me out. Uh, can we talk about uh, uh, winners and losers here? Uh, uh, because it seems to me that a gigantic loser is the idea that people were voting on economic anxiety because they were voting on economic anxiety and they were blaming the party in power. Then the party in power wound up doing pretty well. Uh, they might still lose the Senate, but they are going to have uh, a they're, they're going to have a slimmer majority or slimmer loss than than I think was expected by a lot of people in the house. Uh, uh, why did inflation not result in kicking the bums out, Eden? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can look at is that people seem to be voting more granular than uh, than than wholly party based, um, a-, a la Georgia, a, a la um, Arizona. Uh, there seems to be um, some amount of focus on individual candidates as opposed to just the candidates being a stand-in for the party. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, that that might make for the gap. I, I don't know what all of the individual rationales were for why people voted, but I suspect that they're fairly diverse in aggregate anyway. Um, it, as, as pundits, we're basically identifying what might be the the most dominant plurality reason, but I don't think that there's any one single reason ever that, that motivates everybody. Uh, inflation, crime, abortion, there were lots of things that were up in play this time. Well, and when it comes to inflation, I just think that us Americans are not <clears throat> stupid. You know, the, they were running on Biden caused inflation, but we all know that inflation's happening all over the world. So I just, and also COVID, we did, we did spend more than all other developed nations on aid. I mean, like if we're going to say that okay. monetary spending, in was, which case we should have the worst inflation in the world and we don't. 
So, I mean, I think people are aware of that. I think they know that we have a huge supply chain issue that when China keeps shutting down, like there's going to be a ripple effect. There's still products that we haven't had the whole time since the, the pandemic. Um, you know, there's still empty store shelves. Like we're not out of that yet. And I just don't think that Americans are dumb enough to be like, Oh, it's all Biden's fault. Like, I don't think that that's that message works just because we can see with our own eyes. There's other factors. Uh, go ahead, Brian. Wouldn't, wouldn't America's, uh, lowest status of inflation be, um, consistent with the fact that like other countries base their currency on the American dollar when you expect us to have the lowest inflation and everybody else uh, with more speculative currency to be more, more uh, 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 erratic. I don't know. Cause ours is pretty speculative. As well. Uh, well, I mean, ours is so rock solid that <laughs> other countries base their currency on ours. So, so it, it seems yeah. like if we're going up and, and theirs are more speculative than ours, that's what you would expect is that we would be the least uh, in, inflated currency. Uh, well, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me pick a winner here. And that is Joe Biden, because uh, uh, Joe Biden was somebody that uh, I think was on the hook the most uh, throughout all this. I, I think that, you know, there's a random why we, a reason why we called it dark Brandon's uh, uh, last stand, <laughs> but uh, in, in a scenario that might look like it's happening now, uh, especially if it looks as if Fetterman is going to hold on, we still have nothing from Nevada. So that, that is something that, that could change a lot of this, but if, if you know, now it's going to come all, it's going to come down to Georgia. Either way, it'll be a very thin margin for the Republicans. If they win, it looks like it'll be a thin margin for the Republicans in the house. Uh, uh, riding for Biden in 24. Huh? Any takers? I just don't he's know still why. got tricks. He's still I just, got moves. I, I heard a moan from the audience. He's got moves. <laughs> I mean, look, if it weren't for the fact that he's about to celebrate his 80th birthday, people would be saying they'd be rallying around the the the, the Joe. I, I think that this, in all honesty, this might stave off a a primary challenge. I just don't get why you think this is such a good thing for Biden. I mean, if he loses either part of Congress, he's not going to be able to get his agenda moving forward. Or is that not the part that matters? But but I think it's not the part that I care about. I care about whether or not he's going to run and if he's going to win. But but I think he's grading on a curve though. Right. So like whenever a, whoever the party is that's in power, I think like 38 out of 39 of the last Congresses has lost seats. Right. So if, um, if, if they're able to maintain one of the two uh, houses, they're 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 swinging above average, like they're 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 doing well, right? Like in terms of of just beating the curve, and that probably means for Biden that he's going to seem like he is not a drag effect on the party, that he's not a liability, and therefore he won't be primaried. And uh, if I'm understanding correctly, like in the scenario where um, uh, where the Democrats did just fine, uh, the gas leak scenario, uh, in that case, then absolutely keep going Biden all the way. But in this case, we're in a middle scenario. And of course, if it was the uh, tsunami scenario, then Biden's out, uh, uh, somebody else, he gets primaried. Uh, but in this case, um, it's not great for Biden. Uh, <laughs> like I, I, I guess if, no, I, it, if it's, it, I'm going to say if they don't lose the Senate and they only lose the house by 15, it's the reason why I said it was dark. Brandon's last stand. That is great. That is capital G plus, great. Plus, if I were the Democrats, so, like, you know, based, we have a very different definition. of No, I mean, based on what historically happens, historically, the party in power gets their ass kicked and they did okay. not get their ass kicked like that. That relative to expectations 
is is very good and it will be portrayed as very good. It will be celebrated as very good. I, mean, I just I'm, think that that's politics brain. Like in reality, if if the goal of being the president of the United States is to get your agenda pushed through, like I history, like I don't care. Like he lost a piece of Congress and he's not gonna be able to do the things he wants to do. So in 2024, it's going to be like, oh, look, like they couldn't get anything done. I don't see this as Great. Maybe it's not the slaughtering we we're expecting, but to call it great, I just I well, don't see that. I, I'm, I'm going to put a capital G on it. If, <laughs> if, if, they, if, they, if they don't lose the Senate, if they lose the Senate, then you're still going to have Senator Herschel Walker and, and possibly Senator Adam Laxalt that you will say, oh, OK, well, these uh, uh, this, this was a situation where uh, uh, he, he his drag on on the party probably cost them the Senate. Uh, but. If they don't, that that's Dark Brandon's last stand. It's a reason why I named it that. Like he's gonna get credit for it not being as bad as it could have. Uh, if I were a Democrat, I would be very much hoping that the Senate is maintained, and I would be very happy if the Senate is maintained, um, because the the polling has been fairly consistent for a while now that the Republicans are going to take the House. If the Democrats can maintain the Senate, that means they're going to be able to continue doing appointments. They're going to be able to uh, continue getting judges. Uh, if they lose it, that'd be That'd be a thing, right? But even if there's legislative gridlock right now, uh, the federal apparatus in terms of appointing jobs will still be in Biden's camp, assuming that they're able to hold on to the Senate. Can I give you another loser? Donald John Trump. <laughs> he is a loser. He didn't win a single seat tonight. Uh, uh, <laughs> if you look at the people that he put forward, the one that was the most Trumpy was Carrie Lake. She was polling ahead in almost everything that we've seen. And right now, as I look at the count, she is losing by 14 with almost half the vote in Blake masters was somebody for whom that got uh, uh, the, the, the Peter Thiel wing of, of money and is right now getting blown out, blown out in Arizona in the same state. Uh, Walker on, on the edge, right? JD Vance does well in a very red uh, and ever reddening Ohio, even though I think Tim Ryan read a bad campaign. Uh, and we'll get to Florida in a second, but it does not look like Trump's uh, uh, enthusiasm of the working class or the realignment of the Republican party becoming the working class party paid off tonight. And even more so the candidates that did really well got their money from Mitch McConnell. Mm -hmm. And they made sure to say that Mitch McConnell is going to be the Senate majority leader if they get into the Senate in that case, that to me says that in the power play, Trump can't do it alone. And every, and, and, and the magic is not what it was back in 2016 of everybody just wanting to follow along with the Trump uh, position. I think that there is a carve out in the Republican party for something else. And I'll get to what that is in my next winter. but. Uh, 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 Heaton, do you, does that sound, uh, uh, realistic to you? It makes sense to me. I'm also rooting for such an interpretation. Uh, I, I would like for Trump's star to Dwayne in the Republican party. If I have to pick between Trump and Mitch McConnell, I'm pretty easy. I'm going to go for Mitch McConnell as the, uh, the, the one that's leading the party. Uh, that makes sense to me. I, 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 the only counter that I have to that is, um, keep an eye on DeSantis because I think DeSantis is very much part of that. Put a uh, pin, put uh, a pin, that, put that, a pin shift. <laughs> Uh, uh, Jen Trump star waning. Yay. Nay. Hope so. Yeah. 
All right. Well then let's get to DeSantis because that was the big uh, watching that Florida race uh, uh, just totally, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, melt Charlie Crist melt Val, uh, Val Demings. We saw the red Dade for which uh, uh, had been foretold. And then nobody else performed like that on the Republican side. It was Ron DeSantis. I think if you were looking for a pathway to say, here's the energy, here's the excitement, Donald Trump, old and busted, Ronnie D, the new hotness. That, that to me seems like a narrative that will come out of tonight. The new hotness, huh? I like it. Oh yeah. Compared to old and busted. Isn't that what the kids say? uh, Going back to, uh, yes, 22 years ago in the movie, sorry, 24 years ago in the movie Men in Black, they did say that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who has been with us through this entire process. Of course, you can support this program by heading on over to takepoliticsseriously.com. That's where you can kick in money. I'm recording this before we know what happened. So obviously we have no idea whether or not we're going to any kind of runoff. Obviously the 2024 season starts immediately. So with all that being said, one more time, I very much appreciate you guys sending me all over the country to cover these races. Uh, I thank you for your faith in giving me an opportunity to talk about stuff that I know is very, very seriously, but, but trying to spin it in the way that I believe is something that makes you not want to turn things off and, um, stay engaged. And that's really my biggest goal. So with that being said, the people that make this financially possible, I owe you my livelihood. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And to those in the Titanic $10 tier, I have to say thank you to Andres, Matt, Craig, MC Dradio, Jason, Unsafe DB Level, Katie, Amanda, Ye Old Pinball Shop, DP4 Bongo, Catherine, Todd, persons familiar with the matter, Vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order, Edison, Up, Up, Down, Down, Left, Right, Left, Right, BA, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris Arslandian, Blue Front and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic, Terran, Diana's turn two, Miranda Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul is awesome. Brad, Richard, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike who loves Frank, got abducted, Utah, Jimmy Montana, the Jen, A-L-D-L-D-L-D, really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua. Thank you specifically to those guys. Thank you to the Donors Club. Thank you to everybody who has been a part of this. Now let's get... Back to the coverage. The the question, as I see it, is uh, less about like uh, what's there's two questions. There's what's good for uh, Biden running again for the presidency. And then there's what's good for the Democratic Party. I think that actual uh, actively uh, whichever party embraces a younger candidate definitely wins in 2024, whether that means Biden getting primaried, bad for Biden, good for the Democratic Party. If uh, DeSantis uh, uh, supplants Trump, good for the Republicans, bad for Trump. Uh, I I mean, Trump running against Biden, Trump is two years younger than Joe Biden. 
Sure. So ancient versus ancient the <laughs> reckoning <laughs> yes. well, can, can happen. No, uh, uh, the most exciting idea, uh, which, which you and I discussed uh, uh, before we started this six hour live stream was, was the idea that now having a cabinet position, Mayor Pete ends up uh, uh, actually being a contender on the Democratic. Well, Mayor Pete to me would have been if there was a red wave. Uh, uh, which the one, it wasn't, the, right. which it was not which tonight, I'm which sad it was about. not yeah. because I was saying if it was a red wave tonight, the 92 Clinton is back. Like, like it is. And it's mayor Pete and he's going to come out and he's going to push a crime bill and he's going to do everything that 92 Clinton did. I don't think that's on the table anymore. I, I, I think, I think that the Democrats can come out and say, look, nothing was as bad as everybody made it out to be. Everything uh, was fine which makes me sad for the Democrats because I was really excited to, for the first time in my life, vote for a Democrat <laughs> for president uh, because I've been third party libertarian. For oh, uh, uh, somebody in, in, in our chat points out Cheetos uh, points out uh, the other reason why Trump uh, uh, was a loser is that Brian Kemp won handily. Mm. Stacey Abrams. Oh, another loser. Stacey Abrams. Uh, uh, in fact, I'll put him together. And Phil Scott of Vermont. Uh, 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 Stacey Abrams and Beto O'Rourke tie him together and put him in loser town where you have to be tied together with other losers. Uh, losers move in pairs. Uh, uh, they both got blown out. They both raised a kajillion dollars and uh, uh, for literally nothing. Uh, so they could get Hosanna's thrown upon them on Pod Save America. That's pretty much it. <laughs> um, I think. That's it for now. I really wish guys that we would have had something from uh, uh, Nevada, but again, my biggest uh, eye popping result here is in Arizona. I did not expect that to be a blowout in any way. Again, I owe bill share a, uh, an, an, an apology for saying that Katie Hobbs could win because it looks like she is running away with it. It, it almost certainly appears that we are going to a runoff in Georgia. So depending on what happens in Nevada yet again, we could see a, 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 a winner take all contest in a Georgia runoff, a, a, a situation that last time Donald Trump made all about himself. Will he make this one all about himself by announcing that he's going to run uh, uh, a lot, a lot to take from this uh, for folks who are wondering what the final spectrum of possibilities is. Depending on what happens in the Senate, it's it's going to be either old crow calls at midnight or or dark Brandon, uh, dark Brandon's last stand because uh, that was you know it looks like the the House will be less than but uh, if if the Democrats lose both houses I do think that that you can't help but look at that as a Republican victory. All right, that wraps it up for us tonight and uh, uh, for this midterm coverage uh, Heaton, they say that the, the real uh, uh, treasure is the friends we made along the way. Uh, uh, what are, what are going to be your favorite midterm memories? Oh, of 2022 as we're all signing each other's yearbooks here at the end, at the end of the term, you know, you know, we're what? all giving each other friendship bracelets. I, I, I realize this is a bit saccharine, but I was really impressed with the poll workers when I was, when I was voting, I thought that they were all really kind and, and, uh, uh a plight and of upbeat energy, despite having been there since 6am. And, and, uh, that was a nice moment of like, oh yeah, democracy. And I suppose getting drunk with my friends on Prosecco and doing a six hour, uh, yeah. A live stream. That would be the other bit that I, I quite liked. <laughs> hey, Justin, I know mine. What's yours, Brian? Going three times to one polling place, seeing a long line and running <laughs> away. 
<laughs> then going to another polling place and having only 19 people in front of me. I was in and out in 23 minutes. Mwah! Chef's kiss. Best election ever. Uh, uh, Jen. I think going to Vegas with you, which was yeah. the subject of the last PX3. That was, yeah, that was in our Patreon, our Patreon episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw my first campaign rally, which staying on brand with the way Brian and I both feel is just sad. Um, <laughs> it was very, um, I'm learning a lot about our political system by hanging out with you. And even though it makes me sad, I know it's good for me. So You've educated me a lot this midterm. So and, and you. you convinced me not once, but twice. Cause I'm that stubborn, uh, uh, that if you're going to raise uh, a quarter billion dollars to run for a statewide office, you should cater your rallies. You should, With you should some- spend uh, just a little bit of cash, get a few subs, get some pizzas. Like if that amount of money is coming in, you can afford to make a deal. You can you can afford to to, to throw some food. You you finally talked me Thank into you. it. I am now on your side. If you're gonna raise hundreds of millions of dollars to run, then you can afford to pay uh, to to feed some people that come on out to your rallies. Uh, hey, Snacks are Justin. always a winner. Yeah, uh, this just in: we are three hours and eleven minutes away from your international <laughs> appearance on uh, UK television. Yeah, I'm going to be on GB News, uh, uh, so if you're in England. And also, by the way, for everybody who uh, uh, everybody who is just listening to this on audio, if you want to watch all of this happen in real time, it was an absolute blast to have a, a Gen Smash. We had a gigantic poster boards for uh, uh, all of our different scenarios and when they fell out, so when gas leak fell out. Uh, it was destroyed when Latuya Bay fell out. It was destroyed. And Jen destroyed Gas Leak with John Stossel's Emmy. Uh, it was an actual Emmy. It was very fun. I, I was I, in fine form. I've kind of been on the downward slope of the Prosecco for this episode. But I was really <laughs> on the ascent during the live stream. I, I think that we just invented, by we, I mean you, uh, just invented... The election night variety show. <laughs> Can we do this forever? Yeah. This is Steve the Allen of electoral <laughs> politics. Yeah, no, it was uh, uh, an absolute blast. Uh, uh, thank you to everybody here at uh, 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 Bizarre Magic Studios, Brian. Uh, uh, we had uh, uh, everybody that 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 helped out. Annalisa uh, this. and Jeff. Annalisa. Let's everybody applaud for Brett Weaver. Yeah, Brett Weaver was here. Bryce uh, Nash Bryce Castillo. Castillo. Help set up everything. Uh, uh, of course, our, our guests, Andrew Heaton, Jen Brownie, Brian Brushwood, uh, Bonnie Brushwood here uh, in, in, in the background and uh, uh, our, our live audience, Abby, the dog. Uh, thank you to Abby, the dog. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, election night variety show is the best thing ever. I, I, I think we did uh, a fantastic job. Uh, I think we held over a thousand concurrent for, for, for the, for the vast majority of our broadcast here on Twitch, which is uh, just fantastic. So, uh, uh, oh, and now we are seeing, according to the New York times, the Arizona race is scheduled to tighten within two. So everything that we said about Arizona, Possibly throw that out. Which race? Uh, both of them. He's according. not an astronaut. That liar. <laughs> that liar. Still, still, still. Uh, I, I, uh, we, there was more to know. There is uh, more to know in Nevada. There's more to know in Arizona. And obviously it looks like I am heading back to Georgia for yet another 
of these dadgum runoffs. So I will well, see you bad. in the heart of Atlanta and probably outside the perimeter. Uh, it's in- about time. You've you really been slacking off lately. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna fly into a hurricane. Call, call time is in three hours. I know. I have to, and then I'm on that. Okay, that's it, guys. Uh, uh, for everybody, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for supporting us throughout all this. Thank you for supporting us and TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Uh, thank you for coming on and watching us. PX3Live.com. Until next time, a reminder that some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh! you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) Dog and Pony Show Audio.